Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives So excited for today's episode But before we get into it, let's give a shout out to the Eugene Marathon Yeah, this episode is going to be all about my road to the Eugene Marathon And what's been going on the last six weeks A lot of you have been really excited to hear about this stuff So here I am giving it to you So let's talk about Eugene Marathon first I can't wait. May 1st, this thing is going to be unreal. The marathon, the half marathon, the 5K as well. This is one of the best races in the country for people who are trying to get this huge time. Maybe trying to get a a Boston qualifying time. 29% of people who run this race qualify for Boston, which is an insane stat. And I say this every time I do an uh, Eugene Marathon ad because it's so incredible. The reason the 29% success rate for the BQ is so vital is because this race is two weeks after Boston, which means if people get their BQ, they're not running this race next year. So it's not like, hey, every year I go to Eugene and I get the BQ and then I go to Boston and then you keep the cycle going. No, every year they get a whole new influx of runners and then those people are just as successful. So if you're shooting for some amazing time, this could be a wonderful spring race for you. In addition to that, It's in Tracktown, USA. We're finishing at Hayward Field. This is an incredible situation and something that I am so excited for. Usually if you're traveling for a marathon, you want to make sure that it's worth the trip. And this is definitely going to be that. That's exactly why I'm going to be flying across country to go to Eugene when on that same day, there's a race, the Providence Marathon, which I was thinking about doing. That starts basically 10 minutes from my house. It's on roads that I run all the time and have been running for decades now. But I'm not going there. I'm going to Eugene and I cannot wait. So go to eugenemarathon.com today to go register for May 1st. So let's get into this episode. So I had my last solo episode was about six weeks ago, a little over a month ago. And I got a lot of people... um, I don't know, not going to say excited, but they really liked some of the information that I was providing. Maybe could use in some of their training as well, or just kind of relate to what I was saying. Um, so let's dive into that. So for 2022, so the start of this year, and again, this wasn't based on a resolution per se, it just kind of happened to work out from a timing perspective because CIM, for those of you who do not recall, or maybe you didn't hear that first episode, I ran the California International Marathon the first Sunday of December. That's always when it is. That race for me, was really enjoyable. I loved going to CIM and just like, just like I just talked about Eugene, went there and did some live shows and and had a really great experience. Ran the race as well. I wasn't super prepared for it. Didn't have the long runs um, over the the couple years leading into that race. And training for a marathon is not a six week venture. It is a lot longer than that. Um, just in terms of getting your body used to being out there for a long time. So I didn't have that. So I was fit, but I wasn't strong. And I had the race that aligned with that reality. So this build up to Eugene was really about much more than just the Eugene Marathon. It was basically like, hey, I need to get stronger as a runner. I need to spend more time out there on my long runs. I need to accumulate more miles. The fitness is certainly important and speed is is certainly important. But ultimately, if I'm going to be running marathons, the foundation is the aerobic base. In addition to that, the just the physical tolerance of being out there for longer. So that was 100% the main focus for me that I really wanted to, to get to the next level, maybe even two or three levels higher than I was in those two areas. So 
how has it worked out so far? Well, so glad you asked. <laughs> Where I am now is I'm setting a lot of firsts, doing a lot of things I've never done before as a runner, which is pretty wild for someone who just turned 41 last week. So first thing is uh, three weeks ago, I hit 51 miles. Okay, so for me, a 50-mile week almost never happens. I've done very, very few in my whole life. I intended on doing a couple uh, leading into CIM, but things just didn't end up working out, whether it was my mistake or whether it was just circumstances or so on and so forth. It didn't end up happening, but I did plan on hitting a couple in the low 50s, but uh, I think the highest I got to was 48 in the build-up to CIM, and I had a couple of those. So uh, I didn't have any last year. So this year, I had 50 three weeks ago, 50 point whatever, okay? Week after that, I had 53. So it was my first ever back-to-back 50-mile week. So that was huge for me. That was a great stepping stone. Again, we're still months away from Eugene, so it was a great place to be, not only in terms of getting that done, but the time of year I was doing it. This wasn't like, hey, back-to-back 50s, races in two weeks, let's let's get it going. That's kind of what happened for CIM. I had like all of my two-hour runs like in the six weeks leading up to CIM, which is great, but I didn't have any before that. So getting this consistent time on feet all the way through uh, is imperative. And this is something I tell my athletes all the time is that the more two-hour runs you get in a year, even if it's not in the, a marathon cycle, the better off you're going to be at every distance, but especially these longer distances. So it really isn't dependent on a marathon cycle. And that's kind of where I'm falling in right now. Um, and that's really exciting. So 50 miles, and then 53 miles, and then last week, 60 miles. My first ever 60-mile week. Now, Biggest difference between that week, the 60-mile week, and the two preceding it, besides the obvious bump in mileage, was the um, the lack of um, speed work. So in the 50-mile week and the 53-mile week, I did have a midweek you know, speed workout, basically. So intervals and things like that, which are certainly very important. Um, but when you're really going to bump up the mileage... Uh, from one week to the next, like that, going from 53 to 60, it's you know it's doable, but maybe not as advisable to also have an uptick in um, quant. You know, if you're if you're going to bump up the quantity, you probably should ease off a little bit on the quality while you're setting that new baseline. Okay, so I hit 60, but I didn't throw in a lot of hard miles. Okay, I did have strides, did have some hill strides, but it was really just an aerobic build base week, which made it doable, okay? So for me, it wasn't a huge day that put me over the top. It was consistently upping every day uh, a mile or two. And that's how I went from 53 to 60. So basically, on average, obviously, that's one mile per day. Um, I do take an off day every week, so uh, it's a little bit a little bit more than that. But so I think last week it was four, it was four runs of 10 miles or more. Okay, so I had eight and a half on Monday, and then I had a 10, and then I had a 10, then I had a six, then I had a 16, and then I had another 10. So um, it was 60.5 miles with four miles hitting 10 miles or more. So that's how I got there. So it wasn't just like some mammoth run that put the mileage up over the top. So that was, for me, a nice thing because it was going back to building that physical strength and that tolerance of being able to be on my feet for a lot longer and being comfortable doing that. And that was a big thing for me, getting that back-to-back 10-mile days 
twice in one week, right? So 10 and 10, then a six, nice and easy, a little bit of a recovery run, and then 16 and 10. Uh, the other thing I want to put in here is that another way of upping the mileage, especially where I live and where certain people, where certain other people live as well, is you do have the opportunity to play with elevation, okay? And there have been times where I've upped mileage where if I saw, or if, you know, basically if, if I wasn't going to be taking the, the, the workout out of the week. So this week there was no workout, okay? But maybe if there is a situation where there is a workout and the mileage is going up, another way to make it more agreeable while still testing yourself is to play with the elevation gain, okay? And that's something that, so basically there, there's three elements here, right? There's the miles, there's the speed, and then there's the elevation, okay? It's hard to, to turn the dials on all three at the same time. Um, especially if you're turning them pretty far, okay? So that's just something that you might want to play with. So for me, I basically turned two of the, two of the dobs. I turned up the mileage, and I made sure that I kept the elevation on. So uh, this past week, and this has been pretty consistent now for um, about a month and a half, is that I'm doing basically, on average, 50 feet of elevation per mile that I'm running. Okay, so we're going to get into a little bit of math here, and uh, it's easy to, it may be easier to kind of look at your Strava page as you're listening to this, or maybe go back, uh, but there's an easy way of looking at this. So basically, basically, if I'm running 10 miles, the elevation was around, on average, around 500 feet of elevation gain. So if it's six miles, it's around 300 feet of elevation gain, so on and so forth. So that's on average. So around my area, central Rhode Island, that's not that hard. Okay. I can also run a pancake flat loop if I wanted to, where I can head up on the bike path and get basically a 10 to 15 foot of elevation per mile gain if I wanted to, All right, which is basically flat. Right, That's if you're running five miles, you're getting you know 75 feet, 100 feet of elevation gain, which basically means you're not even noticing any elevation, any elevation gain. So uh, that was another nice thing for me was kind of building that strength uh, as well of um, keeping the the hills in there. And there's a variety of different routes I, I ran. So there were some hills that I did that were monsters. So, so really, really big hills. We're talking, you know, 250 feet of elevation gain in a mile type thing. So the kind of hills that would be a challenge for anybody, right? Or at least noticeable for anybody. Um, and there were other routes that were pretty rolling. So basically never really flat. So consistent 30 to 60 foot hills, just up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, those are also enjoyable, um, but it's just a different kind of thing. So uh, I had I had the, the, the mileage turned up and I had the miles turned up. So that was fun. That was exciting. It was nice to go basically three straight weeks of doing something I had never done before. So that streak is not going to continue. I'm not going to have every week of a of a marathon cycle of being a first every week because that would be a great way to overtrain or get hurt or both or some other uh, issue. So uh, that's not always going to be the case. Uh, I won't be I won't be doing a 16 mile week this week. Uh, I will you know start doing. Um, not start, but I, I, I will be returning to speed work, which I'm excited about. Uh, so that actually is going to happen today. I'm not sure where I'm going to do that. I had We got two feet of snow on uh, on Saturday. It was the second biggest storm in the last 50 years here in Rhode Island. Uh, so this weekend, there wasn't a lot of rest and recovery. It was a lot of snow removal. Uh, and so today, there's ice everywhere. So it might be a treadmill day for a workout, which... Um, 
isn't my favorite thing. So maybe it will be more first. It would be, be me doing a lot of treadmill workouts, uh, which has not been my jam ever. So maybe, who knows, maybe maybe the first will continue this week as I uh, head up on the treadmill, which I'm actually sitting right next to as I'm recording this. Um, maybe him and I will be become good friends after this episode. Um, so that was exciting. I'm really happy with how things are going right now. And I'm feeling strong. And that was the other thing, too, is that you sometimes you do these these buildups or you're really increasing the, um, you know, again, turning up the knobs and all these things. It can be a drag. And there are times where you're going to be super tired and lethargic and you're just like, oh, my God, like my body is totally noticing that we're doing a lot more right now. Um, and I would say overall, my fatigue has been pretty normal compared to previous weeks or previous builds and things like that. So that's also a really good sign. So we're going to get into more in a second. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, so we're back. All right, so what I was saying was I'm feeling pretty normal. So even though I'm doing all this work, um, it doesn't feel like I'm exhausted and I need to have a down week and things like that. Uh, everything does feel pretty consistent, which I'm really liking. And I think a lot of this can be about approach and mindset because that is something that I've struggled with in the past. If you've listened to Mastering 40 uh, last year, then you got to hear my conversations with a sports psychologist as I went through it. And I was you know, full of doubt, full of worry, not believing in myself. All of that stuff was percolating throughout so many of those episodes. And it was, uh, it was a, you know, the, those were real emotions. And I absolutely felt that way. Uh, there is a complete shift now uh, for me and I, uh, this was this has been a long time coming, but it was really well synthesized by Corinne Malcolm uh, during one of the Trail Society podcasts. I think it was two or three episodes ago when she was talking with Kelly Henninger and um, Hillary Allen. It's a great podcast. You should go listen to that uh, at, right after you finish this one. Um, and she was basically talking about, and I'm going to paraphrase what she said. She said it far more eloquently than I'm about to, but basically that believing 100% in an imperfect training plan is better than the perfect training plan that you don't fully embrace. And that is all upon the runner. It has nothing to do with the coach. Obviously, the best circumstance is 100% belief in the perfect training plan, right? That's checking all the boxes. But first of all, perfection is unattainable from a training plan perspective because you're working with a, a with, with another person, right? And there are so many factors that can, that can pop up, right? Like I got a snowstorm and I got ice on the ground, right? Like who puts that in the training plan, right? So there's a lot of things that can um, that can come to the surface here. But 
Overall, I loved that quote and it really touches on so much. Obviously, you want to have the best coach that you can, but there's so many great coaches out there. So getting a good coach isn't the hardest thing in the world, that is for sure. Um, but believing 100%, not just in the training plan or in the coach, it's about believing in yourself that you as a person can do hard things, that can achieve things, and not that 10,000 foot view. It's more of the day-to-day -day stuff where, yeah, all right, like this run's not starting out great. Oh, well, big deal. Keep it going, right? Or man, these first couple reps, oh, or this hill, oh, like, right? And then not letting yourself go down this cycle of negativity and the doldrums that can, that can follow that it's staying positive or just staying neutral, right? Sometimes neutral is totally fine. You don't have to be a bubbling cauldron of positivity. Uh, you can just be, hey, I'm just running out here, right? My mind's clear. We're just making it happen, right? Not that you're not, not that you're in a meditative state per se, but maybe something that's tangentially related to that, where you're just you're just going and doing your thing, and you're not overthinking it. And that has been another nice thing that. I tried to embrace of like, all right, yeah, we're just going to make this happen. Again, it's not going to be about, all right, like, can I do this? I've never done this in the past. How is this going to work? And, and then really overthinking about what could happen. How many times have we argued with ourselves about things that have not yet or will never occur, right? Instead of just letting things play out. I know I do that all the time. I, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, going through and, and trying to predict what may happen in the future or kind of setting yourself for like, hey, if this happens and I'm going to do this and if they do this, then I'll do that. And then if I do that, then they'll do this and playing this like these these chess games in our head for circumstances that not again, that happen that simply haven't happened and probably will never happen. All right. Just clearing the decks and letting it go and just embracing what's happening in the moment. Again, not with some and I think it's great if you have unbelievable enthusiasm, but you don't even have to have that. If you're just in neutral and just letting it flow, then that's going to that's gonna work out well too. And um, I would say that being in the center to – being basically within the range of being centered to being optimistic and being somewhere within that range is something that I have struggled with many, many times in many areas of my life. And we're just going to stick to running for right now, um, but staying in that zone. Right. So today is a great example of this. OK, so got ice on the ground doing a fartlek workout in that situation outside is not great. OK, so I have two. I have three things I could do. I could either push the run a day and say, all right, maybe it'll be better tomorrow. Well, it's not going to be. I can see the forecast and there's two feet of snow on the ground. Right. The, the, the conditions are not going to change in the next 24 hours. OK, so that's off the table. OK, so so I can just say, all right, I'm just going to get my miles in. And I'm not going to do the workout. OK, or I can say, all right, I'm going to go on the treadmill and do it. One of those for me is a much easier thing to do. Right. Getting in the miles would be far easier and you could argue more desirable than doing a fartlek heavy workout on the treadmill, which I usually do not enjoy doing. So which one am I going to do? I'm going to do the treadmill workout. And even saying that, I'm like, oh God, I don't know if I want to do that. But it's true. I, I will do that and it will be and it will be fine. Okay. It's going to be fine. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to make it happen. And these small little steps day in and day out are what's going to lead to the same sort of results that I've had over the past month of getting of doing firsts and and reaching new levels of fitness. Okay. So am I the fastest I've ever been right now? No. 
But that also hasn't been the focus. Have I, am I the strongest I've ever been? Well, you could definitely argue that, at least from a running perspective, um, because I'm putting in miles that I've never done and I'm doing it in a way where I feel good. So, boom, there you go. That's, that's, that's where I want to be. Um, and then also just embracing the curiosity of what could happen. So there is the potential when we do something or, you know, so I come out of these three weeks, look at this, this is amazing, to then have that be the peak, right? To say, okay, well, now it snowed and I'm going to reduce the mileage. And then maybe, you know, and then who knows, maybe I'll never get back to it, right? So the, the first weeks of January were the three best weeks of 2022 as a runner. There have been cases in my life where that's been the case, and, or times in my life where that's been the case, and there's probably times in your life where you've reached certain peaks, but those peaks don't have to be at those locations, okay? And that's kind of where I am with this, is that just continuing to be curious about what's possible and embracing the fact that there's a lot more in there that I can do, all right? Look around. There is motivation and inspiration everywhere, right? Whether it's looking at Kira D'Amato and the Sarah Vaughn's of the world, look at the Milrose games that just happened, people doing amazing things. There's ultra runners who are doing unbelievable things, all right? Why not you? Why not me, for that matter? And that's how I'm embracing it, right? I'm not going to assume that I've reached my potential at some arbitrary point in the journey. And if that's the case, then I'm never going to assume it because how would I know? right? There's no roadmap. There's no, you know, 23 in me or inside tracker test that's going to tell me what my potential is. So if I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to assume that I know, also, I'm never going to reach it if I'm approaching it from a negative space. So why do that either? So I'm putting all of that aside. I'm just going to keep doing fun things, trying to get as many miles as I can, be as strong as I can, and on the fast days, really trying to bring it, okay? And this is the other part, is that there is a time and a place for learning how to pace yourself and preparing yourself for a race of certain distances, right? So this reminds me of, so I have one of the runners that I'm working with, Gerald Elmore. He's preparing for the Long Beach Marathon. He's going to run it next week, or I should say this coming weekend, and he's doing great. This training has come come really, really far. He's doing really well. Uh, he's eyeing that three-hour marathon, and it, it, I know he's going to work his tail off to get there. It's really exciting. So the last two weeks, we've spent a lot of time just trying to dial in his marathon effort pace. Okay, Gerald's one of those people who loves to go out hot. So that's a wonderful thing, right? You got that that big, strong monster inside of you. We want to make sure that's you know that we you know tame it a little bit so that when marathon day happens, that he doesn't do anything in the first 10 miles that prevents him from having the race that he really wants to have, okay? So there is a time and a place to make sure that our workouts are designed to set ourselves up for race day success. There are other days, and the majority of days, like the workout I'm going to have, or any workout I'm going to have in the next two months, right? Where I'm, I'm far out from race day, where it can just be about, you know, laying it all out there and see what happens, right? If it's not perfect rep pace repetition, who cares, okay? It's about getting the kind of work in where you meet the intent of the workout, okay? So you're testing yourself. You're challenging yourself. You're not going completely off the rails where the first quarter mile repeat, 
you know, is a 65 second and then the second one is an 85 second, right? We're going to have some discretion here, but ultimately, why not test yourself at certain points and do it in a way where, hey, this is what happened and then we move on, All right? So testing yourself and then not judging yourself afterwards because you say, hey, we're just making it happen out here. We're trying to do our best and then we keep it moving, okay? So giving yourself the grace to go hard and not micromanaging the results after the fact and trying to derive some sort of judgment from it, all right? And instead of saying, hey, what's the plan here? The plan here is do the kind of workout that's gonna make us faster, so let's go do it, all right? If it's, whether it's perfect or not perfect or whatever, that's ultimately for the birds, okay? Did we get the kind of stimulus that we need? Perfect. We then recover from that stimulus and then we do it again. So that's where I am. I am so excited for it. I am so excited for the Eugene Marathon. Come join me in Eugene, May 1st. We're gonna be doing a bunch of live shows. We're gonna have so much fun out there and we're gonna race hard as well. Go to eugenemarathon.com today. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.